Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, coming to you from Albuquerque, New Mexico. My hope is this is the last show that I ever have to record here. And to be honest with you, I hope it's uh, maybe the last day I ever spend here. I'll be headed back tonight, do the drive in two days. I, d- I drove out here, I guess it was Saturday. You now it kind of runs together after a while. Got up Saturday morning. I was supposed to go to the Storage 24 video shoot there in Ridgeland. And due to rain in the area, that got pushed back. And so I I had to just kind of forego all that. Went ahead and drove out to Albuquerque. uh, Spent the night. And then had a wonderful day with my wife yesterday. Had an early Valentine's Day dinner. I hope that you all have an opportunity to take those you love out for a dinner here in the next couple days to celebrate love and life and the pursuit of happiness. It's wonderful. And uh, so I'll spend the day here and I'll start driving back tonight. So I wanted to get the show knocked out for you this morning. It is still morning here, um, and it, I tell you what's interesting too, <laughs> uh, is you know perceptions, right? Like when I'm out here, like I see everybody all bundled up in these thick jackets and their scarves and their—I don't know if it's a fashion statement or what—but it, it's really not as cold out here as you might anticipate. When it gets windy, it does get cold. But like uh, yesterday, I was outside and getting some things out of the car, and uh, my wife's neighbor and friend, she was, "Oh my gosh, it's freezing!" and you just have on a T-shirt and you're barefooted. Well, I'm, I'm from South Mississippi. You know, we're kind of we're kind of built for all this. But uh, it's interesting. I've been out here in the summer months. I've been out here in the fall months. I've been out here in the winter months. Uh, and it's not as bad weather-wise as people would make it out to be. It, it's really not. You would think it would be a lot more frigid, but it's really not. There have been some really cold days out here, and there have been some snow and things like that. But by and large, uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful place. It really is. It's not anywhere that I'd want to live. Now that I've spent some time here, I'm glad I've had a chance to experience the land of enchantment. But there's nothing like home, right? And two weeks from the day, the wife will be home. Thank goodness. Your good friend and host will be a much happier man uh, come that day. But uh, it's been good. And I thought about this on my way out here. It's like she came out of here in July, and I came out in September. We went and played Arizona, spent a couple days, came back. Uh, for nine days in November, early part of December, came back for Christmas, and I was back for five days, I guess, uh, in January, and this is the quick trip, you know, 
Um, but the reality of it is, is that, uh, you know, what's a day in the car to go see somebody you truly love, right? You know, the effort, you make the effort, right? It's as simple as that. And so uh, I tell you this, I had a really good time driving out here. I had a chance to listen to the Mississippi State men's basketball game. We're going to talk about that in the next segment of the show. I didn't listen to music the whole way. And if you know anything about me, that's, uh, that's probably a shock. I just listened to Dateline podcast the whole way. It was a beautiful day. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. And uh, I enjoy getting out and seeing this great country of ours in person. And there's only so much you can see on the Internet. And the Internet, it sometimes makes us lazy, just like social media. You see all these pictures, and it's like, you know, I think about all the great places that I've stopped and people that I've met along the way making all these trips. And uh, Ruby, my Mustang, she has uh, been very faithful to me uh, throughout all of this. And uh, it's been one of those things, too, kind of getting out there on the, with a car, even though she's, I guess I've had her almost a year. But, um, you know, it's, it's pretty great to have a reliable transportation where you can just kind of enjoy the trip and not have any anxiety by breaking down on the side of the road. Hope you guys get a chance to do some of that. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company. and I, matter of fact, I went and ate at a place last night, and uh, I thought, you know what? This isn't nearly as good as Bulldog Burger Company. The more you travel, the more you appreciate those fine delicacies and those great restaurants in the greater Starkville area. And we do, ha- we do a great job. We do a good job feeding folks. Uh, with the Eat With Us group. And uh, if, if you're unfamiliar with Bulldog Burger Company, you should be. You owe it to yourself to go by and have a great experience. Whether it be a night out with friends or family, uh, a business lunch and whatever, they can accommodate you. It's a great atmosphere. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive in Stark Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Uh, you can have an adult beverage. You can get a chocolate shake to go. But the main reason you go are the, the, the fine hamburgers that they present to you there. I haven't had a hamburger there the last couple trips. I've had the Sloppy Joe Sliders, and then I had the BLT salad. I'm a big proponent of their salads. Sometimes I like to eat a salad for lunch. You know, you need as much uh, green in your life as you can get. I prefer the BLT salad grilled. You may like it fried. You can get it either way, but the proportion is so incredibly substantial. Also, happy hour, 3 to 6. So if you're looking to kind of cap your day or get your evening out off on the right foot, swing by Bulldog Burger Company. And uh, full-service bar there. They're going to have some takeover taps here soon. We'll have more details about that. I know so many of you are very excited about that sort of stuff, but they're going to be bringing that to all three Bulldog Burger locations. We'll have more details as it happens. But um, get the spring rolls. They'll make you better looking. I made a, posted a picture last night of uh, my wife and I out to dinner uh, on Facebook, and somebody said, I can tell you guys have been eating your spring rolls. You look hot. Well, I owe it to genetics and, and uh, the spring rolls. Right? Some of us have to work hard at it. It is a lot of work to be this beautiful. It really is. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I thought we could win that game at Fayetteville, but I didn't expect it. I was hopeful, but I didn't expect it. I don't care who you are or where you're from. You have to have a tremendous amount of respect for Arkansas basketball. You do. The fan support is outstanding, and and honestly, it's the kind of fan support that we should be envious of. And I understand the population center. I I get all of that. I do. But there is a love for Arkansas basketball that is very intriguing. It really is. Now, granted, they've had some success in the 90s, but in many respects, they think they're Kentucky. And I don't say that in a negative way. I'm not trying in any way to to make light of Arkansas' situation. Arkansas obviously had a couple of really good years under Musselman, but... 
there is a passion for Arkansas basketball that is very admirable. Absolutely. And, and you know, I guess there, it's, at times they're kind of fair weather football fans, but they turn out for baseball, they turn out for men's basketball. And so when you have to go to Bud Walton Arena, you don't just have to beat the Razorbacks. You got to beat back nearly 20,000 fans. It's double what the hump has, just in case you're curious. And so it is a hostile environment. It is an incredibly exuberant environment, and their fans do such a great job of being there when they need them. And what I mean by that is over the course of the game, when they need to get a stop, they're on their feet. When they get on a run offensively, they're on their feet. The fans have a great relationship with the the things that are going on on the floor. They're very much engaged in the game. And so I say that, number one, as a tip of the cap to Arkansas, but also, too, to maybe illustrate how significant a win like this is for Mississippi State. It's absolutely incredible. And listen, this is not a great Arkansas team. They're kind of middle of the pack in the SEC. But anytime that you can go on the road, and this league is big, we say that every show it seems, but to win at Arkansas, that is a feather in the cap to say the least. Bulldog run, Bulldogs run their winning streak now to five straight games. Five straight games. And listen, I think most of us expect, hey, well, when the schedule flips, we'll be better. Guys, we're exceeding expectations right now. We are. I think everybody everybody feels it. I think we all see it. Um, of course, some, a couple difficult games left to play. But Chris Jans and this staff – this group of players do an outstanding job for you. Let's take a quick look back at the Arkansas game. We could talk about that all the time. And, and again, it's not because I have any disdain for Arkansas. I have a lot of respect for Arkansas, as I'm sure many of you do that follow the game. And uh, you follow athletics in the Southeastern Conference. You understand Arkansas, in many respects, are they're our contemporaries. They might have a little bit of a bigger budget, but, uh, you know, we're, all, we're very similar to them. So, according to the box score, 19,200 people at the ballgame. That's tough, man. That's tough. Mississippi State, an incredible first half, led by nine, and then they outscore us by three in the second half. Of course, that's not enough. You know how the math works. But uh, pretty incredible ball game. And there was a, I really felt like we were going to have to weather that storm after the intermission. We had kind of taken it to them in that first half. R- really a nice job. I mean, like, you know, State jumps out. I guess we got down 5 nothing, right? And then Shaquille makes a three. And, and next thing you know, it's like State just kind of starts taking over. It's kind of back and forth a little bit. But you kind of got the sense that Mississippi State was letting Arkansas know, hey, we're here to play. We're not just here because the schedule says we have to be here. And so State was making and trading baskets with them. You know, the lead, you know, kind of fluctuated a little bit. The next thing you know, under the 10-minute mark, Sean Jones rams home a three to give State a 23-17 lead. And you kind of start thinking, hey, this, this is for real. This is a real thing. State then gets the lead out to eight after a nice Tolu Smith play there in the post. It's a 27-19 game with uh, right around seven minutes to play. And, it, it, again, there's, a, there's some ebb and flow, some back and forth to it, but State never faded. And I think, that again, this is a byproduct of winning some games. This is about building confidence. This is about Chris Jans and his staff seeing their vision kind of come to fruition. 
With 128 to play in the half, Shaquille Moore makes another three-point basket to give a state a nine-point lead. And then nobody scores the rest of the half. And you begin to think to yourself, goodness, you know, State could have pushed this thing easily to double digits uh, there in the final minutes. Just couldn't get it done. But um, great first half for the Bulldogs. And I said, you know, I'm listening to the ball game. I'm thinking, man, if we can survive this first five minutes of the second half, we got a chance. Because you know they've made some adjustments. They're going to come out uh, really, really ramp it up on a defensive end because it's, gonna, it's not going to be an offensive showcase, right? At this point, we are dictating terms to them. We're making them play our brand of basketball. We're defending hard in the half court. We're limiting them in transition. We're making them kind of grind it out. And we're, we're out there, we're, we're defending every opportunity. So we come out and immediately get to Sean Davis with a layup to push the lead to 11. That's the biggest margin to date in this ballgame. And so you look up with the couple minutes gone and a half, and it's Deshaun Davis knocking down a three-pointer. And now the lead is 14, and we talk about surviving the first five minutes. Now you start thinking, can Arkansas survive the first five minutes of this thing? With uh, just under four minutes gone in the second half, Deshaun Davis, who was huge in this ballgame, makes another jumper. It now is a 16-point lead, which proved to be the biggest margin of the game uh, throughout the contest. But Again, you talk about surviving the first five minutes. We didn't just survive. We're out there laying haymakers. And not only we've taken now a nine-point lead and made it a 16-point lead, and now all of a sudden if you're Arkansas, you start thinking you got to panic a little bit. You, you, what, what we're doing is not working. We went and did our halftime adjustments, and not only did we not shorten the margin, Mississippi State extended it. It's good basketball, man. It really is. But give Arkansas credit. They're a proud program. You knew they'd make a run. And we do trade some baskets. And just under with just under 14 minutes to play after a Tolu Smith basket is, again, a 16-point game. And you start doing the math in your head and say, you know, can, can we grind this thing out? Can we avoid them having the big run? Well, they had a pretty good run. I wouldn't call it a big run. But they do do a good job here of kind of narrowing the gap here. And the main thing is on the defensive end – they kind of took us out of our flow offensively. We did take some bad shots. There were times that we had to kind of fire things up late in the shot clock. But as you get to the 11-minute mark in the ball game, it's a three-point basket from Devontae Davis, and the state lead is now down to five, and the crowd is going nuts, absolutely going nuts. They feel like here it is. Here is the decisive run for Arkansas. We've played around with these guys for a while. And remember, just moments ago, it's 47-31, and all of a sudden, you look up, it's a five-point game with plenty of time to play. We answer with a nice layup from Shaquille Moore. And then at this point, it, you start thinking, hey, we just need to answer and get some baskets here because we there were stretches. We'd go two and three minutes without scoring. And then we made the mistake of you know defending while fouling, which allowed them to score without the clock running. But State survives. With seven minutes to play, Deshaun Davis again hits a basket to put us up nine, and you think, man, we're going to stretch this thing back out to double digits. We do, and who is it that does it? The much maligned Eric Reed Jr. He has really struggled as of late. You bring him in to be a three-point marksman, and maybe it hadn't translated the way that we thought, but what a huge, huge basket here. The lead was seven, and then Eric knocks down this three to push it back out to 10 with 639 to play. At that moment, when that basket went down, I started thinking to myself, man, we're going to do this. This is our day. 
You're getting contributions from everybody, and a guy that's been struggling knocks down a big basket. And listen, we need Eric Reed to get going. We do. And I think Chris Jans knows that, which is why he's still putting him in the lineup, right? I mean, he's still letting him get out there and play. Some situational stuff. And he delivers a huge basket there. Arkansas battles, though. You know they would. They're not going to quit. And then with just over two minutes to play, they get loose and uh, on the fast break, and they heave one home. And it's now a five-point game with 2.15 to play. And you knew State's going to have to score, right? We're going to have to get stops on the defensive end. But we're also going to have to put the ball in the basket because, you know, it's not going to be enough. And thankfully, we do. We do. Now, it wasn't. It was not an offensive masterpiece down the stretch by any stretch of the imagination. But we did what we had to do. We started getting stops, and uh, that Nick Smith Jr. three pointer that was big. It was a miss, big miss. They had uh, again kind of coaxed the crowd back into it, and they were within striking distance. And then you know, all, all of a sudden, you know, your guy who's back you're returning, making the play. You could think this could be the you know the Cinderella type story, right? You know he's been hurt for a while. He's back in the ball game. He makes a big shot here uh, to get gets you within a basket, but he misses. State gets a stop, and then we go down, and then we can't convert. And Devontae Davis makes a nice basket on the fast break there to cut it to three with over a minute to play. They end up having to foul, and I, I've joked about this on Twitter, and it's not really a joke anymore. Closing time is cam time. It's gotten to the point now, late in ball games, you just expect his experience and leadership to take over. Cam Matthews is fouled. He steps up and makes them both, which, of course, you know, really pushes it to a two-possession game, one of those now having to be a three-point basket. We force a turnover. Great job. Great job here. We force a turnover. And even though we don't convert here, uh, we put them in – we didn't get a fast-break opportunity. We put them in a situation where uh, we're about to run this thing away because the clock is our friend. Ken Matthews misses, gets his own rebound, and then goes back up and, and makes the basket. And uh, very physical play. If you haven't gone back and watched that, you should. Seven-point lead now with 50 seconds to go. And you just start thinking it's going to take an absolute epic collapse here for Mississippi State to choke this thing away. And we absolutely didn't do it. Uh, Anthony Black goes down, makes a jumper, and then Cam Matthews uh, makes one of makes both free throws, excuse me, to push it back to seven. That's Cam Matthews here on a, on a personal 6 nothing run. It is now a seven-point lead with 44 seconds to play, and it seemed like that last minute took forever to play out. It often does when it becomes a foul throw, free throw shooting contest. Anthony Black with a basket, and then Tilly Smith with a huge dunk, huge dunk, kind of an emphatic signature play here, like this is it. This is absolutely it. State now up by seven, and then Nick Smith Jr. does make a three-point basket, but at this point it's basically academic. There's 13 seconds to go. They're forced to foul. They forced Deshaun Davis uh, to go to the free throw line. He knocks them both in, and State wins 70-64. to 64. And what an exciting end of this ball game! You know, there was a stretch there. I thought, I mean, we, we might blow these guys out. And then you start thinking, no, this is Arkansas. You know, they have a lot of pride in their program. They have a lot of pride in their arena. They're well coached. It's a huge win for Mississippi State. Absolutely huge win for Mississippi State. And, uh, you know, one, one of the bigger road wins that we've had in recent years, especially in the Southeastern Conference. You know, we had a couple, if you can call them big wins in the NIT, um, on the road, I guess Louisville, Baylor. But um, this, again, this is one of those wins you look at and say, man, when you get ready to have the NCAA Tournament Committee evaluate your resume, you want this on the plus side. 
Mississippi State advances their record to 17 and 8, now 5 and 7 in the league. Arkansas, 17 and 8, and 6 and 6 in the league. So we're a game behind them. But when you start working through this and you start thinking about what we've got left, it just underscores how significant this win was. The Bulldogs are red hot. Deshaun Davis mentioned a lot in our report today. Deshaun Davis, 17 points in 26 minutes. He was a starter, just absolutely outstanding. And the main thing is just clutch, right? I mean, there are a lot of guys can go out there and shoot, and all of a sudden the game gets a little bit constricted, and uh, they kind of disappear on you. Not the case. Not the case at all. And that's the thing I think you're seeing with this team is you're starting to have some guys be willing to take those shots in tough situations. There are times DJ Jeffries has been the guy that's wanted to take those shots, and that hadn't always been a good thing. But there were so many people that contributed down the stretch. Shaquille Moore with a dozen points. We're getting good basketball out of him these days. Two of two from beyond the arc. Tolu Smith, not one of his better games, but you know the Arkansas's game plan was clearly to limit Tolu Smith. We're not going to let Tolu Smith beat us. We're going to make somebody else do it. And then and what we do is we get four double-digit scores and do just that. Cam Matthews. Again, only 10 points in a ball game. Six of them come in the final couple of minutes. When you absolutely had to have him, he was there. Three of six on the floor, knocks down four huge free throws. Four out of five at the line for him, six rebounds. Got in a little bit of foul trouble, but uh, most of that came late. DJ Jeffries, 34 minutes, just to four points. But uh, I thought DJ flashed a little bit on defense, too. Just still not getting the offensive production we'd hoped there. Will McNair came in, gave us a couple really good solid minutes there. 12 minutes of action, six points. Uh, Sean Jones, 16 minutes, five points for him. Eric Reed, of course, only three points, but, man, how big were they? I mean, that, that was just – they were in the middle of making a run, and you needed to answer. And for a second there, there's Arkansas fans were like, ah. Oh. It's like we we fought and scratched and clawed. And this Bulldog team's not going to quit. They're not going to go away, and it's Eric Reed making the big basket to kind of signify that. Tyler Stevenson, just a couple of points. And, again, it's like these guys on the bench, you just never know from game to game who's going to be the guy that steps up and provides, uh, you know, that six-man influence. But uh, not in the least bit, bit uh, disappointed in anybody's effort, to say the least. Huge win for State. Just six of ten from beyond the arc. And it's like, you know, you only attempt ten, but you make six. Hey, we'll live with that. You didn't have to. Because you had you had opportunities to flash to the basket here. State shoots forty seven point four percent for the game, and the knockdown ten of sixteen from the free throw line. You'd like to see that get better, but you know that has not been the issue that it was earlier in the season. Anthony Black had twenty three for Arkansas. Ricky Council the fourth with thirteen. Everybody else single digit scoring. Nick Smith Jr. just kind of c- coming back. Uh, just five points for him. But I thought the Mitchell brothers were really good for Arkansas. The State did a good job kind of getting there and banging with those guys. And Makai Mitchell fouls out uh, with, as a starter with just 11 minutes of action and six points. And so I think the whole game plan of kind of crowding Tolu Smith in some respects kind of backfired on Arkansas. But Arkansas is a team that's kind of built for late February. So we'll kind of see what happens with them. But a huge win for us. Anytime you win in Bud Walton Arena, uh, it's almost worth printing a T-shirt over. Bulldog fans, many of us grew up in a time we didn't lock our doors. We didn't feel the need to. We didn't have a need to. But the world is a much different place today than it was when we were much younger. Surely you've seen your neighbors have these video doorbells and things of that nature. You can have the same peace of mind, but also the convenience that you grew up with, with our friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y. Very, 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 very simple product here. Very easy to install. 
and you set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. No drilling required, no power tools, anything like that. You get the keyless entry. You don't have to fumble around with the keys when you got your hands full. You never have to worry about your kids losing their keys. Or perhaps you've got a rental property and you worry about people passing that key around. You also don't have the anxiety of having this battery that goes down on you. It's Guys, you got four months of power here. And you get a low battery notification before it runs out so you can charge it back up. It's pretty simple. There's no monthly fee, unlike a lot of other brands that charge you that fee. You can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. Uh, Ufi is also on standby for you 24-7, and you can get a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by our professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or even live chat, which is awfully, awfully convenient. And here's the thing. There's just so much out there in the world these days. Wouldn't it be nice to know maybe who visited your door when you're out or perhaps have the security of knowing that you've got video surveillance anytime somebody comes to your door? Well, you absolutely can. Make sure that you look for Eufy Video Lock. That's visit E-U-F-Y official.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom-fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. 
You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. And that, that's again, that's just my respect for those for that program and those fans. All right, so Bulldogs back in action this Wednesday. You got a chance to see Mississippi State play in the state of Mississippi both times this week. Tickets remain available for the Kentucky game. I checked before I began recording the show. Uh, it's all upper deck. It's up in the upper levels. Uh, and again, if you are a season ticket holder and you have lower level seats and maybe it's difficult for you to get here during the midweek no judgment life is life right please make sure those tickets get in the hands of bulldog fans i can tell you there are a lot of a lot of people that love to be able to go to a ball game that either don't have access to lower level tickets or don't have the financial wherewithal to get those tickets i guarantee you every season ticket holder in humphrey coliseum knows some young family or knows some dad that would love to take his 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 sweetie to a ball game or to take his son to a ball game or his daughters. Let, let's seek out those opportunities this week. Let's make this an incredible environment. We've got, we've got Kentucky coming in, guys. We've got Kentucky. Now, Kentucky's used to being, you know, kind of that circle game for everybody. Everybody wants to be Kentucky. They're used to having people, you know, target them. Let's make sure that we have Humphrey Coliseum filled to capacity. Listen, I get it's Valentine's Day. I do. I understand it. But if if you have tickets, don't let them go to waste. And I would encourage you not to sell them on StubHub either because I don't want Kentucky fans buying them. And I don't know how motivated Kentucky fans are going to be to come travel to watch them play after the season they're having. They lose Georgia over the weekend. But let's make an effort. Let's make a real effort this week to get that lower level especially packed out. We need to sell every ticket we got. But especially that lower level. I mean, a lot of people are going to be watching this game. And it's about branding, right? I mean, let's be honest about it. Sometimes, you know, we we got a great environment. Things are looking great. And the crowd is into it. And they're doing their best. And the team is responding to the crowd. And then they do a shot. And there's like a whole section in the lower level. There's like 50 people in there or 10 people in there. It's not a good look for us. It's not. So let's make the effort to get everybody there. Now, real quickly, let's take a look at the standings. Mississippi State currently 10th in the SEC. And you say, oh, man, yeah, 10th. It's because we just started playing well, right? We knew that we were going to have to kind of dig ourselves out of a hole, but there is room to do that. We still have a really good chance to finish in the top half of this league, and I suspect we're going to have to do that in order to make the NCAA tournament. And the fact that we're still talking about that as a possibility on February 13th, is it the 13th? My goodness. I don't think that's right. I don't know. Whatever, whatever day it is. Um, but here's the deal. It's all in our hands. We don't have to depend on somebody else to beat anybody else uh, to clear the traffic for us. It's up to us. So let's run the standings here. Of course, Alabama 12-0 and and 22-3 and overall, and we had to play them twice in the early portion of the schedule. Texas A&M, who we haven't played, will play later, running second. And what's amazing, too, when you look at their schedule, they weren't especially impressive 
in the non-conference. They have kind of found their stride in SEC play. Tennessee, another team we've had to play twice. They're 8-4 and four and third. Missouri is four, tied with Auburn and Kentucky. Missouri were 1-0 and o against. We're 0-1 against Auburn. That's on the road and was proud of the effort. But, man, that, that, that loss kind of looms large right now. And then we have Kentucky coming in this week so we can gain some ground on them. Arkansas and Vanderbilt and Florida all there at 6-6. Six and six. We're 1-0 and o against Arkansas, haven't played Vanderbilt, and we're 0-1 and against Florida. And, again, that's a game in the hump that we, you know, we feel like we should have won. Then there's us. And then tied with us is Georgia that uh, had a big win over the weekend, obviously against Kentucky. And, again, that, that's you – know, give Michael White and those guys some credit, but that's not a great Georgia team. And then the distant pack, Ole Miss is 2-10 and 10. – South Carolina 2-10, and 10, then LSU bringing up the rear at 1-11 in the conference. And LSU has lost 12 games in a row. They're 12-13 and 13 overall. South Carolina 9-16, Ole Miss 10-15. I mean, so, you know, that, those three teams right there, they're not going to have any postseason plans. Zero. And you start looking at the rest of them and say, you know what, if Georgia got hot, perhaps they're the NIT. And, and I'll be honest with you, I hope that we get in the NCAA tournament. I'm not expecting it at this point. But it's certainly a possibility. And, again, let's just run down what we have left. It's amazing how fast basketball season flies by. So, Kentucky, Wednesday. That's not Valentine's Day. The days all run together. Tomorrow's Valentine's Day. Wednesday, we have Kentucky. It's a whiteout. Encouraged to wear white. Saturday, we're headed to Oxford. And I think there are probably a lot of people that may be willing to go to Oxford this time through that maybe wouldn't ordinarily go to a game out there. And so let me encourage you, if you're on the fence about that, it's a 2.30 tip at the Pavilion. Go to the game. Well, there might actually be more Mississippi State fans than Ole Miss fans there. I think it's a good opportunity for us to do that. We talk about kind of the changing of the guard. Not that Ole Miss has been great in basketball the last straight. You would, you know, when Andy Kennedy was there, they convinced themselves they were. I had a couple good seasons. But, you know, the Kermit thing hadn't worked out. And so they're all pushing for a coaching change. And so this is it. we're trending in two different directions. Right, So I think it's a chance for us to go up there and get a good win, even though it's not a great Ole Miss team. Anytime that you can beat Ole Miss in anything, it's big. But we absolutely cannot absorb that loss. And then Tuesday, we had February 21st, we head to Columbia, Missouri to take on Missouri. You talk about a resume builder. You know, Missouri's been a good team, especially in conference play. You get two wins over them, all of a sudden you're feeling pretty good about life. And, of course, Texas A&M coming in here. I don't know that Texas A&M is real excited about coming up here. That's, a, that's, again, a chance for us, a chance for us as a program and a fan base to show up and maybe be a difference in a ball game. And then Tuesday night is senior night as you welcome South Carolina. And then we'll head to Vanderbilt on March the 4th, and that's it. So you start looking at this again, where we are and, you know, what's the path to 500 in this league? Well, you're 5-7 and seven now. And you start thinking, okay, you know, where, where can we pick up a couple wins here? Well, you certainly feel like the way you're playing right now, you can compete with anybody. Can we beat Kentucky? We absolutely can. We're going to have to beat them in the mystique, right? you got to go on the road to play Ole Miss. You should be able to win that game. Going to play at Missouri is, is difficult, but that's a team that didn't match up well with us the last time. A&M coming in here is going to be tough. South Carolina should be a win. Vanderbilt should be a win, even though it's on, on the road. And, you know, we're going to have to figure that out. But, yeah, there's absolutely a path to 500 or better. 
And it's because of how we've played as of late. So excited about Mississippi State men's basketball. Uh, again, I think it's one of these situations, too, where so many people have wanted us to be good for so long. And I, listen, I give credit. There's a lot of people that have remained extremely loyal to men's basketball, even through some lean years. And I'm really happy for you. I'm glad to see your loyalty be rewarded for this. There are some of our fans that prefer uh, basketball over any of the other sports. And I always say, you know, we've all got our favorites, right? It's not anything personal. But the reality of it is, is there's some people that have endured some really bad basketball for a long time. And even though we're not quite where we want to be, I think there's evidence now that we are trending in the right direction. I mean, the fact that we've got a five-game winning streak, a couple of those wins coming on the road in the SEC, and now we've got some pretty important games. And I would say the more difficult games are going to be in our home arena. So, yeah, we've got a chance this year to – to get the Christians there off on a huge start. And, uh, again, the buy-in from our fans and our players is outstanding. And, again, what a great decision to go hire that guy. And so let's not worry about who gets the credit. Let's just enjoy the moment. Because I think that we're going to see a special night Wednesday night in Humphrey Coliseum. Okay, it's time for today's top ten list. It's always brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. Blair's cell number is 601-500-2344. 601-500-2344. You may say, so Steve, why do I need it? Well, many of you have mortgage problems. Many of you can't get a mortgage. Many of you may perhaps need a second mortgage. You need a friend in the industry. You need somebody that understands the ins and outs of the mortgage business. Look no further than Blair Chandler. Go to CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com to get your mortgage needs taken care of. For many of you, the dream of home ownership has remained elusive. Part of it perhaps is maybe you're not you know, the, the typical borrower. Maybe you're a non-conforming borrower. Maybe you need some help. You need somebody that has seen it all and done it all. Blair's got 21 years of experience in the industry. Top 1% close ratio in the country. Back-to-back years. Works for Fairway Mortgage, a very reputable mortgage lender. So it's not some fly-by-night subprime lender out there that's going to tack on a bunch of fees. Matter of fact, if you let Blair know you heard about him on the boneyard, he's going to help reduce your fees a little bit by paying for your appraisal. It's about a $500 value. A lot of people want your business. Blair's willing to prove it. Go to CloseWithBlair.com today. All right, Roy came up with this great idea. And uh, I found it very intriguing. I thought I would bring it to you guys. You know, we're, we're family here. And so I said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this list, not because uh, just because of the fact Roy suggested it, but I think it's a great list. So Roy had the idea, what, if, what are the top 10 songs from make-believe bands, like bands that are part of movies? So we, we decided to go to movies. Now, of course, there, there was the, uh, the great Jason Bateman TV series years ago called It's Your Move. Jason, of course, at that point was considered the younger brother of Justine Bateman, who was uh, a star on the, um, the hit show Family Ties. But Jason put together this great band called the Drags of Humanity that ended up uh, kind of causing a little bit of a stir. But I think it's interesting that there have been some bands that have been parts of movies that have actually had hits, big hits. And some of that kind of makes the music in the movie a little more special to us. I had a discussion just a couple days ago. My wife and I talked about this last night again. Uh, Journey, of course, recently played Greensboro, North Carolina. 
Journey hadn't had a hit in years. And Journey sold out the convention center, the arena there. It's like you, 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 you see the pictures and it's like, this is incredible. And so my son is like, yeah, I mean, if you were relevant in the 80s, it's like you can tour for forever. And here's the reason that I think that's the case. That was the infancy of MTV. And so we all had loved music. And, you know, back in those days, like I'm from the 1900s, right? So it wasn't like today where music is available to you on demand at any point. So you were kind of, you would sit around, you would listen to the uh, the Top 40 Countdown with Casey Kasem or or uh, Shadow Stevens or Dick Clark or whoever, uh, and then you would hope to hear your favorite song. And you were curious to see where your favorite song was in the Top 40 that week. And so it was like a competition. It's not like that today. Nobody listens to those shows anymore. And then there's MTV. You know, MTV, all of a sudden allowed us the opportunity not just to hear our favorite songs, but to watch our favorite artists perform them. And so there is a lot of nostalgia and romance with the 80s. I think that's one of the reasons that so many people consider 80s music, that decade, to be some of the most significant in music history. Because we were pulled in. We got to see music in a different way. And so there was a different emotional investment in it. And so some of these songs we're going to talk about today come from some of those 80s movies and beyond. All right, number 10. This actually is from the early 90s. Oh, and before we do this, Roy had Kid and the Revolution on his list. I didn't include him on mine because I think with number one, we all knew who Prince was back then. You know, so it wasn't like a make-believe band. It was the actual band that had already had some national and worldwide acclaim. So I didn't include them, but Roy did. So just wanted to throw that out there. Tip of the cap to Kid and the Revolution, Mars Day in the Time, Apollonia 6. If you've never seen Purple Rain, you ought to yourself to watch. If for no other reason, no other reason, that big scene when Prince is singing The Beautiful Ones and Mars Day is sitting in the crowd with Apollonia and he points at him and says, do you want him or do you want me? because I want you. Very, very intense scene. We've all felt that feeling. We just haven't been on stage to express it. So tip of the cap to the the legend Prince, gone far too soon. Okay, number 10. That's actually from a 90s movie that is kind of iconic in many respects. You know, those of us that were alive back then, and there's so many people that have a revisionist history about the period, the grunge scene lasted about 15 minutes. And there are people today that still romanticize the grunge scene to make it out to be more than it really was. However, for a couple of years there, that's all there was. It was like, who is the next big band to make it out of Seattle? And, and the well ran dry pretty quickly. It did. But what they got initially was gold. You know, you get Mother Love Bone and you get uh, the Screaming Trees. And eventually you had Pearl Jam and Nirvana who were rivals. That's something that doesn't get talked about today either. Uh, not everybody in the Seattle scene got along. And, of course, uh, the greatest, probably the two best Seattle bands not named Pearl Jam, Soundgarden and Alice in Chains. So Alice in Chains appeared in some movies. It was incredible. But uh, the movie Singles came out. And Singles was great. And it was really kind of typical of the grunge culture at the time. Chris Cornell, of course, appeared in the movie, uh, did a great song on the soundtrack, Seasons. If you don't know that one, it is an absolute masterpiece. 
And then Eddie Vedder was, uh, you know, kind of a he had a cameo appearance, and he was uh, in the band called Citizen Dick. And they were huge in Belgium. But uh, they have one single that made it. It's uh, Touch Me, I'm Dick from Citizen Dick. Number nine, this band actually had a top ten hit. It's a band called The Commitments. And at times, uh, on the charts, and I saw this uh, in an article in preparation for this list, The Commitments were kind of evenly positioned between Ozzy Osbourne and Bonnie Raitt with their song Try a Little Tenderness. It's not very rocky. It's very kind of radio-friendly. But Try a Little Tenderness from The Commitments was a big song. Uh, Number eight, from Almost Famous. And uh, the thing about Almost Famous is I have have a friend of mine that thinks it's one of the greatest movies ever. Cameron Crowe directed it. Cameron Crowe, a huge music fan. Of course, he did the Pearl Jam uh, 20 documentary. He's in so many things that are kind of indicative of people that love music and movies. And so this this band was so good in the movie that people thought they were like a real band. It's the band called Stillwater, and the song is Fever Dog. If you're unfamiliar, check it out. I would encourage you to watch the movie when you get a chance. Number seven. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen this movie. I have probably seen it 20 times. Anytime that I'm flipping through and it's on, I'll watch it because it's so silly, and George Clooney does such an amazing job on it. But it's... Uh, Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? And they have a little traveling band called the Soggy Bottom Boys that have this big hit with Man of Constant Sorrow, which is actually a song that's been recorded probably 20 times. Pretty incredible song. But they bring some real gusto to it. You know, it's like you start working through all this, and really the the whole movie is about this song that they just start performing and they become this big hit. And, of course, they're on the run, which makes it more interesting. But it's a great movie. I'd encourage you to watch it if you haven't. But Man of Constant Sorrow, and it's actually, Man of Constant Sorrow has been re-recorded so many times. I was trying to think the most recent time I've heard it, but it, you know, there have been several bands for decades that have had a hit with a song. I don't know if anybody's had a bigger hit than a Soggy Bottom Boys. Number six. Now, this was uh, actually John... This this is another one that's kind of silly, but it's uh, Eddie and the Cruisers, and um, it's John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band, and so they were hired to like do this soundtrack, and it ends up being a hit, and so they perform as Eddie and the Cruisers, and then people kind of conflate the two, I guess you could say. So it's like the actual band didn't get the notoriety, perhaps that they should have. But the big hit on that album was On the Dark Side. It's another. It's an incredible movie, too, so be sure and check that out. Number five, we would be remiss, even though this is a cover. I wanted to work this in because I think the original tunes are very lacking. But it's the Blues Brothers. Traveling band, and, and that's what the whole movie's about, is them going from town to town. And, of course, they have the, the big crowd-pleaser play in Rawhide and things like that. It's all very silly. But I absolutely love that movie, if you haven't watched it, you should. It's, a, it's, a, it's an American classic. But I went with Give Me Some Love, and even though it's a cover, I think their rendition of it is incredible. And, um, you know, they do. They work with James Brown, Aretha Franklin, and the movie is so incredibly well done. It's iconic. Number four, I know many of you maybe are not Jack Black fans. I am. And, yeah, he is a little bit annoying at times, but he's a super talented guy. He loves music. They have Tenacious D, which is, a, you know, it's it's – it's not a band that's expected to be taken seriously, but Jack Black, Jack Black, of course, has some real talent. Um, 
But The School of Rock, The School of Rock is an incredible movie. And even though it's it's based, you know, on this, uh, you know, this rock star that uh, never quite can't quite get there where he wants, and so he teams up with these uh, these kids because he's a he's a substitute teacher. They put together a band, and they go play to battle the bands. They should have won. No vacancy won, which is wrong. No vacancy, pretty good too. We probably could have worked them in here. But School of Rock, Teacher's Pet, a song written by our very own Zach Mooney. It's great. Got some elements of ACDC in it. I really dig it. And uh, even though it's it's a it's a novelty type deal, it's good. All right, number three, another movie that I've probably seen. I don't know, maybe upwards of twenty times. And it's so creative here. The writing in this movie is so creative. The character development is amazing. Tom Hanks, of course, is in this. It's that thing you do from The Wonders. It's incredible to go back and watch that movie. And, of course, The Wonders, you know, the the the, the take on that is the one-hit wonder, right? So they're The Wonders, and they have the one big hit, and things never really materialize for them after that because they can't keep it together. They can't keep it together. They have this amazing single that's playing all over the country. They're going out on the road with all these major recording acts, and it's time to record like the next single, and things fall apart. Personal relationships fall apart. Management falls apart. The band just completely falls apart. They, they could not capitalize on their success. So nice little uh, writing there. The wonders are a one-hit wonder. But that thing you do. Doing that thing you did. Love, I love it, man. It's, it's snappy. It's peppy. All right, number two. And if you know me, you knew this was coming. When the movie Rockstar with Mark Wahlberg came out, I was there the first night to go watch it. It is uh, based on the life of Ripper Owens, who was the vocalist that succeeded Rod Hal- Rob Halford and Judas Priest. Ripper was part of a Judas Priest cover band and was discovered when Judas Priest was looking for a singer. They, they hire Ripper. And uh, he records a couple albums with them. And so they put together this movie. And um, the name of the band is Still Dragon. And, of course, Mark Wahlberg is your protagonist in the movie. And uh, it's pretty crazy from start to finish. A lot of people don't like the movie. I thought it was great. And uh, we also got our first uh, look at Miles Kennedy. You know, Miles Kennedy is the guy at the end of the movie where he trades a microphone with him. He gives Miles Kennedy the mic and lets Miles just take over. Most people probably didn't realize that. Miles Kennedy, of course, from Malta Bridge, was in a movie. Pretty incredible. But we're going to go with uh, We All Die Young. That's the song. that uh, There were a handful. And what's interesting, too, we get ready for Valentine's Day. A lot of people know the song, I'll Never Let You Go. You have angel eyes. I'll never let you go. Steelheart, kind of a one-hit wonder in many circles. They're the band that recorded the Steel Dragon stuff. Stand up and shout, we all die young. But we're going to go with we all die young. I think that's really kind of the, the signature song from the movie. Number one, how could we have a list of uh, fantasy or make-believe bands without mentioning Spinal Tap? One of the funniest tongue-in-cheek movies ever. If you've never watched This is Spinal Tap, you should. And, of course, it's about the you know this traveling band. and you know, they're, they're really cheesy and over-the-top, and they're a rock band. There's some really cool moments in it. And every now and again, you'll see all these rock bands talk about how accurate so much of it is. It's like when they're trying to find the stage and they can't find it and they take the wrong turn. It's like, hello, Cleveland. You know, and it's like they're, they're leaving the, the venue. It's crazy. But we're going to go with Big Bottom. 
from uh, Spinal Tap. We could have gone with Stonehenge. And if you don't, if you know the movie, the Stonehenge scene is one of the funniest things that's ever happened. Um, but Big Bottom from Spinal Tap. So that that's your top ten songs from ten bands from movies that aren't real, right? So cool stuff. And uh, we've had a lot of good suggestions as of late. You know, sometimes we go stretches and we'll get like one or two a week. And uh, some of them are just repeats. But uh, we've had a couple here as of late that are very intriguing to me. So we'll get back to those on uh, on Wednesday. And I can't, there was somebody else that mentioned this a while back. It may have been Gordon Griffin. I can't recall. But um, glad to do this list and kind of glad to get this thing going for you. But again, that's your top ten list. If you have ideas for the top ten list, reach out let us know. The best way to do that is hit up Roy Samante, my friend, on Twitter at Dogmatic67. That's D-A-W-G. M-A-T-I-C-6-7. And you can find our great list on Spotify by using that same handle. It's Dogmatic67. All right, next segment of the show brought to you as always by Campus Bookmart. Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution. I love Campus Bookmart. I love going in there. I love the vibe of buying new Mississippi State merch. I can't wait to wear it. You know how that is. You get a new shirt, man. You just can't wait to go show everybody what you got. You know, it gives you a lot of pride, too. It gives you a lot of pride to know that you're part of a great fan base, the Mississippi State fan base. Go by and see their smiling faces next time you're in town. The lovely, talented Susie, Miss Pam Manyard, and Kathy Brown, the best buyer when it comes to Mississippi State merchandise in the known universe. If you can't make it to town, perhaps you live in the mission field, which is beyond the borders of Mississippi. Go to campusbookmart.net, and by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Well, I hate to say it this way, but the ladies are kind of quietly putting a nice little string here together. You know, it seems like you know, the way the men are playing, I think it's a little bit more of a surprise. I mean, I think we expected the girls to be good. We thought they'd make the NCAA tournament. We thought they'd be, you know, a road team. But uh, they're basically living up to expectations at this point, and we're not really talking about it as much. And we'll talk about it here on the show, but, you know, a lot of the fervor and enthusiasm is centered around the men. And so I think it's important we give the ladies their due just because of the fact that uh, they're getting things done too. You know, three three games in a week is tough for anybody, no matter the circumstances. That's important to understand, too. Three games in a week, and yes, they had the week off, uh, you know, last week to kind of get things settled. But then you get three difficult games, and you win them all. That is outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. And so let's kind of look back at the week that was, and we'll look at the win that capped it. Ladies have now won three in a row. They had won three in a row, lost two in a row. And now they won three in a row again. It's just, it feels so good to win, doesn't it? I mean, it's like you start thinking, you know, right now we've got a lot to look forward to. College baseball season's coming up too. And you start thinking, you know what? Our rooting interests are plentiful these days. Absolutely plentiful. All right, so, you know, we take down Tennessee, double overtime. We go to Gainesville. We, we kept our head out of the clouds. We weren't uh, still... Uh, you know, celebrating the Tennessee game. And then uh, on Sunday, we take care of Texas A&M. And Texas A&M, we had talked last week that even though they have not won much, they have been much more competitive uh, in the last couple of weeks. And we come out and basically just kind of punch them in the mouth right out of the gate. It's a 20-11 to lead after one. 
Give the Aggies credit if they come back and win the second quarter, 21-15. So now it's a game again. It's a game again. We're going to have to get out there and play, and then we narrowly win the third quarter by one, and then we win the fourth by four, 18-14. So 70-62, your final. A&M drops to 6-16 and overall, 1-11 in the Southeastern Conference. Your ladies now 18-7 and and two games above 500 at 7-5 in the Southeastern Conference. Pretty outstanding effort here. Uh, let's look at the box score, too, here for the ladies. Uh, the ladies never trailed in this game at any point. You know, it's like we, we take the lead and just keep, kind of keep rolling. And so that removes a lot of anxiety. But uh, Anastasia Hayes with 17 points. Jessica Carter, good to see her have a nice bounce back game. 17 points, nine rebounds for her. Uh, Alana Smith, 13 points, four of four from the line, too. That's been big for State. Uh, Debrecia Poe with 25 minutes and eight points. Uh, Jerkayla Jordan, 25 minutes of action, just the one point there. But you know, but here's the deal with her: she, in some ways, is kind of like Cam Matthews. It's like she's always getting caught doing something right. Didn't have a big scoring game this time, you know, and, and that's the thing too. It's nice when you do have an off game, but other people can kind of carry the load for you. And that was the case. That was the case for uh, for the Bulldogs. And every lady that entered the game for Mississippi State scored a basket, or at least uh, had a point. Of course. Uh, uh, Jordan with just the one point there from the free throw line. But everybody contributed, and it ended up being a much tighter game, I think, than maybe we anticipated. But the reality is everybody contributed. That's good coaching. Shows good depth. To get production out of everybody you put on the floor, it's a pretty significant situation. Courtney Weber, uh, two big free throws, too. Just the two points, but nine minutes of action. But uh, Romani Parker doing a good job for us again off the bench, kind of in relief for Jessica Carter. Not as many minutes because Jessica did a pretty good job staying out of foul trouble. But, you know, looking a little bit deeper inside the numbers here, uh, the ladies shot 41.8%. The third quarter, probably the biggest offensive uh, stretch for a 6 of 11, 54.5%. And then we're 3 of 8 for 37.5% from the three-point line. And then made 77.8% of our free throws, 21-27. When you make 21-27, there's a good chance you're going to win. State with 40 points in the paint, 22 points off turnover. Uh, second, second, nine second chance points, 18 on the fast break, 14 from the bench. And again, State led throughout. So let's look at what's ahead. And then we'll look at the standings here and kind of see where, where we sit. Uh, but this team is beginning to find a sense of itself. This is a team that, again, we're beginning to find some rhythm. We're beginning to kind of realize that we have a chance to achieve our goals. Now, the schedule on the men's side, I think, is a little more favorable. The women are going to have to earn it here. So we're back in action Thursday in Columbia, Missouri. That's a game we can win, a game we need to win. And then we get Alabama here in Starkville. That is senior day. I encourage you, as always, if you're in the, the Starkville area, Make it a point to come out. That's a 4.30 p.m. tip, so you can watch. You can go to church, drive to Starville, come come to the game and get home in a decent hour and be able to make it to work on time on Monday. And then Greek night, again, we'll keep punching that. Uh, Greek night, February 23rd, that's uh, against Arkansas. And Arkansas, again, a good team. And then we travel to Baton Rouge. So just four regular season games left uh, for your ladies. And so – How's it all going to stretch out? You start thinking, okay, we, we, we need to win two of these four. Then you finish nine and seven in the conference. And I think that just about just about will guarantee uh, a top, top half of the league finish should get us in. You know, we'll see how things go with that. But uh, 
we're in a good position. And again, we control our own fate. That that road trip to LSU, that's going to be tough. LSU, of course, losing their first game of the year at South Carolina yesterday. And South Carolina just ran all over them. Absolutely ran all over them. And again, you know, LSU fans are back, right? They're engaged in, in women's basketball again. And even with Kim Mulkey at the helm, I think you understand there's a, a, a lot of distance to make up between number one and number two in this league. All right, so starting at the bottom, Texas A&M is now 1-11. State now 2-0 against them. Vanderbilt 2-10. Kentucky 2-9. Auburn 3-9. Uh, Johnny Harris' Tigers 13-11 overall. Florida 3-9. Missouri 4-8. They're 15-10 overall. That's Mississippi State's next opponent. We have got to find a way to go win that ball game. Georgia 6-6. Six Arkansas 6-6, six and six. and again, that's a team that we should be able to beat. That's a toss-up game. You start looking at these things, you're kind of rolling them out here, and you realize you know, we're going to play a lot of teams that are kind of similarly situated as us. We've got a chance to kind of separate uh, from the pack here. And then there's Mississippi State at 7-5, and five, Alabama at 8-4. and four. Glad that game is at home. That's a toss-up game. Glad it's here. Ole Miss, 8-3. and three. And then there's the rest of the league. There's Tennessee, then LSU, and South Carolina. And again, uh, as Sunday proved, there's a big gap between number one and number two. But, uh, you know, state right there, sixth in the league at this point. Sixth in the league. If we can maintain that, I think we're in the tournament. I know the latest bracketology kind of has us on the fringe and on the bubble. But let's say you, you're able to get – let's say you win three of the last four. I think that guarantees it. You knock off Missouri, you knock off Alabama, you knock off Arkansas. Even if you lose to LSU, I don't care if we lose by 100. You win three of those last four, and you finish 10-6 and six in this conference, you're going to the NCAA tournament. I don't think there's any question about that. You get to be 9-7, and seven, and it's probably a little bit – it's probably enough, but you kind of leave it in their hands. And so I think two and four keeps you in the conversation. I think three of four – guarantees you a spot in the NCAA tournament. And I don't, even think, I don't even think you need anything in the SEC tournament. I don't think you have to have a win, but it wouldn't hurt us uh, to win one in that tournament. But let's just say you, you get three or four, and then you get a dub uh, in the tournament. Well, I think you're just kind of sitting around waiting for your seeding at that point. But the, you got to continue to keep playing well. But we have certainly put ourselves in a very advantageous position because many of the teams that we're jockeying for position with for the NCAA tournament, we're going to play. And again, this Missouri game is big because it's a road game. But when you start thinking about, you know, Alabama and Arkansas, those are huge ball games, absolutely huge ball games. And again, you never want to write anything off, but um, it's going to be a tough proposition to go into to Maravich Assembly Center and take care of LSU. So you're probably the weakest team you play is a road game. And then the two toss-up games are at home. And then you've got, you know, the LSU down there. So we kind of know what we're talking about here when it comes to that. It's one of those situations where we won't be favored to win those, but we have a, a puncher's chance to win the other three. And the fact that we're in the position we're in right now is very, very important. And the fact that we're playing with a full head of steam. You start running through the numbers here and you start thinking about coming to Humphrey Coliseum. Uh, Bulldogs 12-2. and 12-2 and two at home. And one of those, of course, is a, is a very competitive loss out uh, of South Carolina. So the hump has been a difficult place to play. You know, your two losses, of course, are Ole Miss and South Carolina, and both of those teams are ahead of you in the standings. And listen, Ole Miss is just a little bit better than us, at least when they played us. 
you know, we'll see how things progress. But, um, you know, the fact that we're, we're where we are is a very, very big thing. And so now we've got to finish. We've got to find a way to make this thing happen. And you guys are going to be part of that. You know, these two ball games against Alabama and Arkansas, the fact that they're at home and the fact that you all will be there. And so I'm really calling on our students too. We need you to be there. Uh, many of you, of course, will be done with your Valentine's Day celebrations. You'll be looking for something to do. Sunday, 4.30, Senior Day, let's send these ladies off that have been uh, so incredibly important to our program. Send them off with a nice ovation. And then Grig Night, Thursday night, that's an 8 p.m. tip, and it's a midweek game. So a lot of our older fans, and let's be honest, a lot of our women's basketball fans kind of skews a little bit older. It may be more difficult for them to be there for an 8 p.m. tip. Uh, so we need you to turn out, students. We really need you to be there to make that a hostile environment. Uh, at the same time, honorable of the competition, but we need to make it a difficult place to play. But the way that the, the traffic is clearing for us and the opportunities ahead of us certainly show us we have a chance to do exactly what we wanted to do. Beginning of the year, I think we all were honest with ourselves and said, you know what, the women have a chance to make the tournament. You guys are probably NIT team. And now here we are on Valentine's Day Eve with both teams having a chance to play their way into the tournament. And it's not something where it's just a mathematical possibility. You start looking at the probabilities. We're playing exceptionally well. We're winning some games on the road. And that's, that's the path to the big dance is winning on the road. And now you have a chance to protect your home floor. And so I think you begin to realize, you know, the month of February could be a very important one in Mississippi State Athletics. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I do believe this baseball team is going to be much better, too. And we're going to talk about that in the final segment of the show. But I think when you begin to think, hey, we've had this kind of endure basketball season the last couple of years. We finish up football season with the Golden Egg, with the top Florida bowl game, not named the Florida Citrus, the top bowl game in the pool of six. You're finishing a top 20 finish. Now you've got a chance to have both basketball teams make it to the big dance. Then you got a softball team that reached a super regional for the first time in school history last year. This could be a very, very important athletic year for Mississippi State. And, and what a great opportunity for Zach Salman, too, his first year, first semester here. Granted, he's riding the uh, you know the hires of another AD, but you know to come in and, and see some good things happen, I think it bodes well for the future. But uh, again, Chris Jans, Sam Purcell, we've talked about it for a year now, nearly. We made the right hires, and now it's not a matter of uh, potential. We're seeing that level of production. It's very, very exciting. And the thing again that just warms my heart is to get on social media and to see how excited people are for us to go play a basketball game. And that wasn't the case. I mean, the last couple of years under Ben Howland, we, we dreaded playing a basketball game. And, of course, there were a few diehards out there. And it's like, oh, you know, we'll be okay. And you know, we, we, want it, we want our opinions to skew more positive. But the reality of the situation, we just haven't been a good basketball team. And now it's like people are out there talking trash on social media. I'm, I'm like you guys. I'm, I'm not happy unless I can run my mouth, right? That's an important aspect of all this, too, is you, you invest in all this because you believe in it. You have pride in it. And it's good to see that investment being rewarded. All right, final segment of the show is always brought to you by your friends at Portico. I told you guys, if I was moving to Starkville now, Portico is where I would move. I would love to be that close to campus, but also, again, in a nice neighborhood, you know, where the kids uh, can meet other kids, you know, kind of grow up together. That's a wonderful part of this thing, too. I live out in the sticks now, 
My kids are older. I kind of enjoy having some privacy out there. But uh, listen, give my friend Brooks Bryan a text or call today at 601-416-8075. 601-416-8075. To get more information about maybe making Starkville your residence. But make it your home. Maybe you're already in Starkville. You're thinking, you know what? We've been here for a while. Maybe we need to downsize. Maybe we need to upsize. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home. Go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. And really anything in between. You can get a custom build. The builders are happy to work with you there. Phase one is completely sold out. Your new neighbors are already enjoying life in Starkville. Phase two under construction, many of those homes are already sold, but there are some available. And there are some lots available, too, so you can have some say in how your home is constructed. That's a cool thing, too, to be able to do that. Maybe, maybe you need that office space. Maybe you need a nursery. Maybe you need you know, a man cave or a woman cave, whatever. You decide what you want, and they'll make it happen for you. Give Brooks and those guys a call. You'll be glad you did. It's very easy to find. Turn off 82 on 12 like going to campus. The very first ride is Pat Station Road. You go through the four-way stoppers portico right there on the right. Give yourself a self-guided tour. But more importantly, reach out to Brooks and say, Brooks, listen, we're ready to make a move or we're contemplating making a move. We've heard a lot about this. 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus. What could be better than that? 1.1 miles away. Outstanding. Make portico your next move. Okay. You woke up today, and you maybe didn't realize this, it's game week. It's game week in the Southeastern Conference and around college baseball. I've been waiting for this for a long time, and one of the reasons why is redemption. Number one, I love college baseball, but listen, last year was not a season indicative of who we are as a program. And in many respects, it was kind of embarrassing, right? Like all of you, we win the NAFL championship. I'm thinking, okay, well, certainly we'll – have a chance to get back to Omaha, right? You know? No, we didn't. And it was frustrating. It was very frustrating for Chris Amonis. He told me, he said, the most difficult offseason of his career, player or coach. There's so many expectations last year. I remember as soon as we win, they hand us the trophy. An unnamed Bulldog said, and we're going to repeat next year. And it's like, we, we haven't even had a chance to possess the trophy. <clears throat> we're already talking about the next year. But things didn't work out. And we had some guys, too, that I think, uh, you know, underperformed. You also had some other guys, major injuries. And it's like when Landon Sims got hurt, we knew that we were going to have to hustle, right? We couldn't afford to drop anything else. And we, we lose Landon and lose Stone Simmons the same weekend. And in many respects, never really recovered. Of course, you know, we pieced it together a little bit at times. We just did not have the pitching depth to remain competitive in the Southeastern Conference. And I think the weight of the expectations and the weight of the season – I think it was just too much for some guys. I mean, and that's not a criticism of them. I think over the course of a long and frustrating season, you lose your leader, Landon Sims. You're already having to navigate, you know, who is going to lead this team without Rowdy and T.A., right? You're already having to deal with all of that. You don't have the bullpen depth you had the year before. And in the end, it was just too much for us. Well, this year, it's different. We've got a revamp roster. We have some very important players back. You know, I think there is an edge to this team. I know that Coach Simonis is eager to get out there on the diamond again. It's a bit of a palate cleanser. And uh, as we get into Friday, we will uh, we'll preview the series. But I wanted to kind of let you know, too, because if you're like me, I'm eager to kind of see how everybody looks. But it all gets started on Friday. So Missouri is going to be playing Oklahoma State. 
that's probably a loss. Oklahoma State is a lot like us. You know, there it seemed like it, when I went through and ranked the top college baseball programs of all time, Oklahoma State's right there with us. You know, the fact that we've won an NFL championship, of course, puts us ahead of them. But Oklahoma State is a top 15 program when it comes to Blue Bloods. They absolutely are. There's no question about it. They are absolutely a top 15 program and have been good for a long time. Jacksonville State will visit Georgia. That game will be broadcast on the SEC Network Plus if you want to check that out. It's a, a 2 p.m. first pitch. I know many of you will be ready to get ready to watch Mississippi State play, but maybe you're looking to find something to watch in the meantime. The Richmond Spiders will visit Tuscaloosa. Alabama preseason number 20. I think that's a little bit ambitious. I do think Alabama will be better. I think Alabama will be similar to what they have been, but just maybe be a step better. And then, of course, VMI will visit Mississippi State. Kentucky will be at Elon. I'm not sure how that works. How do you open up on the road, Nick? UMass Lowell, we've played those guys in recent years. They're going to be at South Carolina. Vanderbilt is at TCU. That's going to be an interesting deal. TCU, of course, uh, you know, Schlossnagel leaves, but uh, that TCU program with a great recruiting base should always be a good baseball program, should be. Delaware is at Ole Miss. Uh, That's the Blue Hens against the Powder Blues. Should be a good opening weekend for Ole Miss, certainly. Charleston Southern's at Florida. Indiana at Auburn. That's a, that's a little bit spicy, right? Right. I mean, and that's a nice Power 5 opening weekend series. Indiana, of course, maybe not what they have been since Chris Simonis left, but that's a program that's, that's had some success. Seattle U at A&M. Western Michigan is at LSU. I suspect that we'll see a lot of home run derby this weekend at LSU. And maybe not what we'll see in the spring because it is expected to be cold. The ball didn't travel nearly as well. But uh, Seattle U making the move down from the Pacific Northwest, that, I mean, to Western Michigan, uh, they're not going to have the uh, the pitching to deal with LSU. And that LSU ballpark, even in even in cold weather, is uh, is carryable, right? Tennessee at Arizona. That's spicy, too. Arizona, a program that uh, maybe hasn't been – what they wanted to be in recent years, but you know that they made it to Omaha what, two years ago. Jay Johnson left last year, kind of gutted the roster. So Arizona's still a little bit in rebuilding here, but uh, that could be an interesting series. Arkansas is at Texas. I like it. Now, some of these I know are parts of these events, you know what I mean? So it's not like a three-game set with everybody. Um. But the reality of it is we got a chance to see some pretty good baseball because Arkansas is going to play TCU too. So, that, you know, again, that, that, that's interesting. Tennessee will be against Grand Canyon on uh, Saturday. So, you know, those big events, you know, where they move people around. I love those because you get a chance to see who all is legit and who's not. That'll be interesting to say the least. Uh, Tennessee will have UC San Diego as their third opponent. Arkansas play Oklahoma State, Missouri play TCU. So, yeah, we'll we'll see some Power 5 baseball this weekend. It's still interesting to me Kentucky's on the road for a three-game set with Elon. I don't, I don't know. But uh, nevertheless, it's about ready to let them swing, man. And uh, I'm excited about it, and you guys are as well. And, again, we'll preview the weekend as we get closer to the weekend. But a lot of people ask me, Steve, what do you think? What do you think? And, and I, I, I share on this show regularly, I do expect us – to bounce back in a big way. Are we an Omaha team? I'm not ready to go that far. I think if this team can win a regional, 
it's a successful season. I don't think just making a regional is a successful season. Not if you're Mississippi State. And that's for other people, that'd be great. Oh, just making the tournament's a positive step. And you know, maybe it would be. But at Mississippi State, we have our expectations. Not to mention, not to mention, with the lineup that we've assembled through the transfer portal and the effort and time put into that, we got to be better than just being a regional team. Now, I do think we're a road regional. I think we're probably a two seed, probably somewhere in the ACC. So we'll all be able to go. But that's my my expectation to win a regional. And I think if you if you get beyond that, you've probably exceeded expectations. If you if you get if you win a super regional, obviously that's huge. But I think probably this year, probably the most ambitious goal for us is to win a regional. Just making a regional should always be the minimum standard at Mississippi State. Do I think we host this year? No, I don't. I think we're a road regional team. I'd like to be in the hosting discussion and be able to have a little bit of anxiety going into those announcements expecting us to make it. But a lot happens over the course of a college baseball season. You know, If we're in the hosting discussion uh, come the month of May, you know, with the way the schedule lays out for us, you know, you've got an opportunity to play your way into that. But, again, I expect a road regional as a two-seed somewhere – and, I, and I, I want us to go win it, like all of you. To me, that would define success. That would be one of those deals I look back and say, you know what, hey, we didn't get back to Omaha, but we took a step to legitimize ourselves again as a national blue blood program to go win a road regional. And if you drop a super regional, you know, that always boils down to pitching, right? That's always about who has the best pitching. And at this point, I don't know that we can say we will because there are just so many unknowns. But when I you know, begin to think about the month of May, being in a hosting discussion, we host Arkansas, who I think will be a good team. And as long as Dave is there, they're going to be a good team. But we get that at our place. We haven't beaten those guys in a series in a while. They're going to come in ready to go. So we're going to have to try to find a way. You get that one, you feel really good about life. And you got to go to LSU, and that's going to be a tough undertaking. And then you finish up at A&M. You can win two of those last three season series. If you're in the hosting discussion, and let's say you get two out of three from Arkansas, let's say you get a game from LSU, and then you take two or three from A&M, I think you feel pretty good about your prospects. But there's a lot of baseball to be played between now and then. But I like the way the schedule lays out for us. I hate having to go play at Alex Box because it's such a tough place for us to play. And we're not really built for that. you know. But I think this year may be the exception. I think this year playing LSU in the month of May with the power we have in this lineup as offensive as we should be, that we're capable of going down there and competing. Now, we're going to have the pitching. That's going to be the real question. You know, they should have all the pitching, right? They should. You know, they got a bunch of guys out of the portal that were highly recruited out of high school that didn't do well with their previous stops. And so we'll see how things go. But I think this team, this Mississippi State team, is going to be very offensive. I think we're going to hit some home runs, and I think we'll be able to go in there and compete in that series. I know right now you look at it and say, oh, man, LSU's number one. It's true. But you got to think, you know, what's our mindset going to be at that point? If we're really playing for something, LSU will likely get our best shot. The biggest question to me is just going to boil down to the starting rotation. I think we have the pieces in the bullpen to make this thing interesting. I think we'll be able to play and be competitive in games. I think with Aaron Nixon and Nate Dahl on the backside of this, we're going to be able to close some games out. Settling the rotation means everything. I think we all know how the lineup's going to play out. 
right? You can have Luke Hancock behind the plate. You'll have Hunter Hines at first. And the fact that they didn't vote him all SEC is a joke. Amani Larry at second. Lane Forsythe at short. Uh, Sweet Offord at third. Connor Hyzak slash Dakota Jordan and left. Colton Ledbetter in center. Kellen Clark in right. And then, you know, you'll have some DH options. I think you I – don't, I don't know how you keep Dakota Jordan out of lineup. I don't. And I've had so many people that said the very first day they saw him, they said, this is the kind of kid that looks like he turned down pro ball to come to college. You know, there's a lot of those kids you look at and you wonder how accurate the numbers are. Dakota Jordan is a stud. And when you guys see him in a Mississippi State uniform for the first time, you're like, holy smokes. We have assembled a very good lineup with a lot of offensive potential. Now, can we settle things in the middle? Well, you know what you got, Lane Forsythe. Imani Larry is a guy that's got, you know, multiple years of college experience as a middle infielder. That transition should be very easy. Hunter Hines was a you know, backup second baseman last year, played some in the midweek when Luke would catch. So I'm not worried about his scoring runs. I'm not worried about his playing defense. I'm not worried about the bullpen like I was last year. You know, this time last year, we're like, well, who's going to close if Landon goes to Friday? And nobody had a good answer. Well, we'll just can kind of piece it together. Well, it never came together. And then we lose Landon, too. This year is going to be all about how good the rotation can be. All right, so you know right now Cade Smith will occupy one of those weekend starts. Now, we will get the announcement probably on Thursday of who the three are going to be. And maybe there's a TBA or a TBD. I don't know. Is Casey Hunt in the mix to be back as a starter? You know, Casey came in and worked as a middle reliever for much of his career. Then last year he fought and scratched and clawed and won a starting spot in the rotation. He gets hurt, gets hurt, and he comes back, and, and everything is a mess. And Casey being a team guy is like, Coach, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And because they didn't want to rush him right back, they didn't put him right back out there as a starter, let him relieve some, and he ends up closing some games for us. But is KC in the mix? Well, yeah, he's in the mix, but no decisions yet. You know what Aaron Nixon's going to bring as a closer? Uh, they tell me, like, shortly after he got on campus, he got back on track. And maybe it's because of, you know, what happened to Texas. You know, Texas had a situation last year that their entire pitching staff took a step back. It wasn't just Aaron Nixon. The entire staff did. So they fired the pitching coach, and Nixon decided someone get out of here from McAllen High School, Texas. And now he's here, and they tell me it wasn't no time. He started doing bullpens here. It looked like he was returning to form. Um, <clears throat> so Pico calling you last year, I think he was probably the fan's left-hander of choice. And the thing I looked like last year with Pico, he always wanted the baseball. He was never scared to have it. And uh, he was a guy that really pitched some big innings for Mississippi State. He was a freshman, probably pitching more than he was expected to. But now he's had a full year in the weight road, in our weight program. Is he in the mix to start? Is he your changeup guy? Do you start a right-hander to get you one time through the inning, bring Pico in to get you through the, the next three, the next time through the order and turn over to the bullpen? I mean, is that one of the things we do? Do we do the old uh, Ross Mitchell, uh, Trevor Fitz thing? Do we do that? That's a possibility. And Pico's a guy that can match up. And, and toward the stra- end last year, he had some up and down moments. But I really like this kid's makeup. Evan Sierra is a guy, too, that uh, a lot of people are talking about. You know, how much does he pitch this year? I don't know. But that's a guy, too, that uh, long term, we're expecting some big things from. A lot of movement on his pitches. This is a guy, too, that uh, a lot of people think with a couple of years of good college ball, he could be a pro prospect. Uh, Will Gibbs, a guy from Jackson Prep, not sure how much we see him this year, but could be a guy you see in the middle week when we kind of do these Johnny Holstaff games. 
There's Cole Cheatham. You know, Cole didn't pitch a lot last year, but then he pitched down the stretch, and there were times he was absolutely outstanding. And people forget he was unavailable for the early part of the season, then they started slowly bringing him back. But down the stretch, you know, Cole Cheatham was a guy we could count on. Stone Simmons, a lot of people are asking me, when do you think he's back? I think if I had to call it today, I think 2024. I, you know, of course, if he's available to pitch later in the year, you do it, but not at, not at the risk of his health. Not at the risk of his health. So I don't know how much you expect to see from him this year. I know that he will not be available at the bare minimum until we start SEC play. And it may be a situation where we – I don't know if he pitches at all this year. I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, Colby Holcomb, we know he's got to be a guy for us. This is a guy, big 6'6", 250-pounder, throws upper to mid-90s. Um, we need him to be a good guy for us. Right-handed guy that was absolutely dominant at Northeast Mississippi Community College last year. He will be a guy, whether he's a regular starter or not, I don't know. Uh, we talk about Nate Dome. This is a guy that hits 98, 99. We, you know, Velo is tough at Mississippi State. You know, that's the thing you start thinking about with Nate Dome. Is nature setup guys? Do they alternate closers? Do they not, not put themselves in a Landon Sims situation where you always have the same guy? You know, we'll see. Uh, Tyson Harden's the guy who was a late add, two out of Dayton. Uh, Daytona State College, where does he factor in? You've got pieces there to work with. Bradley Lofton is a guy that, you know, get turned down big money to come to Mississippi State. Is he a weekend starter? Does he start off as a midweek guy? Does he end up being a middle reliever? We know that long-term he is going to be a starter at Mississippi State. I had one pro scout tell me last year he was good enough to start for Mississippi State last year, that he could have been the Sunday guy at Mississippi State last year. That's how good he is. Parker Stinnett, you know, the thing with Parker is when he's good, he's great, and when he's bad, he's terrible. And so consistency has always been the issue. He throws hard. He has a lot of passion. And when he gets that, when he can land the breaking ball for a strike, he's tough. And he's a guy, too, that's willing to take the baseball. I don't know at this point if I trust him on the weekends as a starter. Do I run him out there for an inning or two? Do I work him in the midweek? I don't know. But, you know, he was a guy last year that got hurt and tried to pitch through it. And in the beginning, it just felt like an ailment, right, doing a lot of conditioning, things like that. He'd feel good some days, and it would aggravate the issue. So I don't know if it's fair to judge him on kind of his last couple of outings. But – he was the national pitcher of the week for a reason. You know, he, he absolutely destroyed Texas Tech in the midweek and then had a big game against Princeton, and we thought we found something. Then we go to Georgia, and we realize we're not there, and he had a really bad outing at Arkansas. So can they find some consistency with him? That's always been the issue. You know he has electric stuff. Can you harness it in a way that he can consistently throw strikes? Landon Gartman was the best pitcher on a bad team last year. This is a guy that was recruited and developed by Coach Schoenrock, Former Mississippi State pitching coach. That guy knows what he's doing. I think Gartman is going to be a weekend guy. If I had to call it today, I think he's a weekend guy. I'm eager to see what that announcement is going to show on uh, on Thursday. But uh, Landon is certainly in the mix for that. And we'll see how things go. And if he's not the opening weekend, I think there's probably a good chance he works his way in a little bit later. So we'll see. You know, we'll see how it goes. Uh, Graham, yet. Yeah, I'm going to mispronounce this all the time, and I'm going to get messages about it. But uh, Yanetma, this is another guy, too, that was a late ad that Chris Lamonis tells me is a rather intriguing piece. We needed some more left-handers. We got one with him. Is he a lefty-lefty matchup guy late in the game? We'll see. Tyler Davis is a guy, too. One of the things that Lamonis told me that I love, he said he asked him, Tyler, what do you want to do? He goes, Coach, I just want the ball when the game is on the line. 
whether that's a starter or a reliever or whatever. You love kids like that. And so last year, you know, State kind of got left-handed poor, and now we've got a lot of left-handers that we can kind of use here. And then, of course, there's Austin Tomasino, Brooks Auger. You know, Brooks was very competitive for State last year, and it was a shame that things happened the way they did. And there's there's Gerangelo Sinjay. Is he a starter? Maybe. Is he a reliever? Maybe. I think he ends up being a starter. And so we'll see how things go. But the good thing is we have some options, right? I mean, if, if we try to KC, a healthy KC hunt out there on Saturday, is anybody going to complain about that? No, they're not. KC's a proven guy. You know, and he's had some ups and downs early in his career. But last year, you know, he was the guy that wanted to get out there and have the baseball. You know, KC is a guy that the pro scouts think a lot of. So if we tried him out there, if, if we go Cade Smith, KC Hunt, Landon Gartman, I don't think anybody's going to complain. If we go KC or we go Landon Gartman, uh, well, Cade will be Friday, I think. Cade, Landon, and then Gerangelo, I don't think anybody's going to complain. And then KC, of course, can move to the bullpen and do whatever we need him to do. And so, again, we have some options and some pieces, and there's so many guys right now you're unfamiliar with, right? So it's not just the same team you're rolling out there last year. It's a brand-new team in many respects, but certainly a rebuilt pitching staff that has a lot more options than we did last year. And that was the thing what happened last year is we had so few guys we could depend on that we had to ride them so much, we just kind of wore them out. You know, we couldn't, we couldn't score. We couldn't get out. We couldn't, get, we couldn't throw strikes. And so that's what happens when you have major injuries. I mean, you lose Landon Sims. You lose uh, Stone, Stone Simmons. You lose Brooks Auger. You lose Parker's to that. I mean, those are guys that were expected to pitch big innings for you. And so then everybody has to move up, not just a spot, but four or five spots. And then, of course, during the stretch of that, KC was out a month. And so you're trotting guys out there that are SEC prospects. And they're SEC players by definition only, but they don't have SEC experience. And so I'm optimistic about the season. But, again, I will tell you the difference between us having a good year in a great year, is going to boil down to pitching. And that sounds like a cop-out. But I'm not worried about defense. I'm not worried about offense. I'm not, and I'm, to be honest with you, I'm not worried about the bullpen. It's going to be about settling this rotation, and I don't know if that happens for a month. You saw in the NAFL Championship Series I mean, in the season, you know, we didn't have Bednar initially, right? We had to throw uh, Jackson Fristo out there. And then we had Sarantola throw in, and then we ended up pulling Sarantola. He never pitched meaningful innings after the LSU series. You know, and so there is going to be some ebb and flow. There are going to be some decisions that have to be made based on what happens in the first month of the season. So don't be the least bit surprised if you see some things bounce around. I mean, the, the rotation we send out there this weekend may be different next weekend. You know, Foxhall may feel like, you know what, I've got five potential weekend guys, so let me give them an opportunity and see what they can do. Maybe a situation, too, when everybody's on pitch counts this weekend. You know, may, maybe you split it up between two guys. Maybe you let Cade go 70 pitches, and then you bring in Landon Gartman. Or, you know what I'm saying? There's, there's a lot of options here. So the rotation that you see on Thursday, don't believe that is etched in stone because it absolutely isn't. There are going to be a lot of changes as we learn who we can trust and who can compete and win baseball games for Mississippi State. We'll be talking a lot more about baseball, but I'll be honest with you. As much as I love college baseball, I'm really excited about where we are with college basketball. It gives us a lot more to talk about and a lot more to be excited about. If you hadn't done so, go to dogpilebook.com. You can get all my sports books there. Dogpile is there. Flim Flam is there. Alpha Dog is there. Stark Billings is there. If you're looking for Blooms of Oleander for a last-minute Valentine's Day gift, maybe you forgot, 
You can go to Amazon.com. And I guess if you got Prime, you might even be able to get it in time for tomorrow. How about that? Or BooksandNoble.com or BooksandNoble. BooksandMegan.com, BarnesandNoble.com. If you're looking for Stark Villains gear, go to StarkVillains.com. So many of you got Stark Villains gear for Christmas. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It uh, means a lot to me. I thought that was a really cool title. I think it looks good on a shirt. Uh, but, yeah, you can find that there. And if you're not a member of a, the Jeans Page community, you know we, we are bigger than we've ever been before, much to the chagrin of others. Uh, but come by, be a part of that. And, again, I, I give Paul and Robbie a lot of credit. Uh, Paul Jones, you know, maybe will skew a little bit on the positive side for men's basketball. He does. And, I, and that's what you want to read, right? You don't want to read somebody tearing your program down. But, you know, it's about objectivity, too. And I think Paul, especially last year down the stretch, said, you know what, it's, that's not going to work out. We wanted it to work out. It's not going to work out. But Paul Jones, Robbie Fall, do a great job covering men's and women's basketball for us at jeanspage.com. I submit to you, nobody does a better job covering men's basketball at Mississippi State than Paul Jones and women's basketball than Robbie Fall. And I don't know there's anybody even truly competing with Robbie anymore. When, when State was winning big, of course, everybody wanted to cover it. Uh, but I think Robbie does a better job than anybody. And so – that's important to understand. And, of course, Mike Nemeth, an institution at Mississippi State, what, 33 years? It's crazy. And the fact that guy works for us, I mean, what, what an honor for us that Mike Nemeth works for us. And I look forward to Nemo's notes every week. He keeps such – because he has so many connections and he keeps up with everything, he shares so many great things that are going on around the league and kind of explaining how the landscape of college athletics may be changing positively or negatively and then kind of telling you how it impacts Mississippi State. It's very interesting reading. And, of course, Dave Murray, an institution – when it comes to Mississippi State journalism, uh, very happy to be teamed with these individuals. And very soon we'll have a big announcement. We're going to be uh, adding something else. So I'll give you more of that information sooner rather than later. But anyway, thanks so much for your time. And, again, we're going to wrap up operations here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And uh, I'll head back this evening and be home uh, sometime tomorrow. And uh, we'll enjoy my my time my, my time back in Starkville. And it will be college baseball. And then uh, we'll have uh, the wife home, right? And um, that's exciting, too. And, again, it reminds you this is Valentine's Day Eve. Don't wait until tomorrow and go get the person you love, all this pick-through stuff that's you know, everybody has had their hands on. Get them something special. Make some plans if you hadn't already done so. Go take care of that today. Do something special. You do. You absolutely do. And if you're not in love and you don't have anybody to buy for them, maybe next year, right? I mean, but maybe do something for your mom, right? But it, it's important every day to do something good for people but especially days like you don't want your wife to be the only lady at the office that didn't get flowers or get a, you know something special or didn't get a lunch date. You don't want that. I mean, come on. Don't make her feel that way. Don't make her feel excluded because she'll tell you, oh, it's fine. It's not fine. It's not. It's not fine. And, there are a lot of, and that's what happens, too. A lot of times we get so caught up in all this and it, all of a sudden it's fine and then we just assume it's fine and we never circle back and fix it. Don't ever make anybody you love feel unappreciated. Just don't do it. And we get so busy and we get so focused on our own stuff. I'm going to tell you, there's so much joy in giving. And there's so much, those smiles on their faces when they get things they're not expecting, you can't put a price tag on that. So I'm encourage you again, it is Valentine's Day Eve. Take care of it today, you procrastinating clowns. You should have already done it. But do something special for the person you love tomorrow, period. It may not be anything monetary. Maybe you can't afford to go give a dozen roses because they jack up the prices this time of year. Maybe go pick some flowers, whatever. Do something special. Make some extra effort. Don't treat tomorrow just like another day. That's it for now. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Mm-hmm.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.